This is thatsinthebible.com. That's in the Bible, episode 113. Is there a literal hell? Troublesome times are here, filling men's hearts with fear. Freedoms we all hold dear, now is at stake. Humbling your hearts to God, sage from the chastening rod. Seek the way pilgrims trod, Christians away. Hello, welcome back to That's in the Bible. My name is Eric. Glad you could join us for another episode of That's in the Bible. Now, this is the podcast which looks at a variety of topics in light of what the Bible says about them. For example, do you know what the Bible says about climate change, same-sex marriage, how to be happy? What about why does God allow evil to exist in the world? And what about, is going to church really necessary? How about the topic, does the Bible have anything to say about our finances or ghosts? And can anyone really be sure about how to get saved? All of these topics and more are covered in detail with many references from the Bible. So join us and learn what the Bible actually says at thatsinthebible.com or through your favorite podcast app, such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever it is that you use, you should be able to find That's in the Bible. And our website is thatsinthebible.com. And today, we're looking at, is there a literal hell? And uh, we're again, we're not going by opinion. We're going by, what does the Bible say about that topic? Um, So let me introduce the pastors that are joining us today. And first up is Pastor Stephen Bear. Steve Bear, how are you, sir? Doing very well, Eric. Thank you for having me on. And thanks for joining us again. And also um, Pastor Matthew Sutton up in the Arctic. How are you, sir, up there in the frozen tundra? (laughs) Doing real good. Still cold, isn't it? Not too bad. It's in the 30s. It's real foggy here today, but other than that, a little, little rainy also, but a lot of the snow's gone, so it's a blessing. So 30s is warm. Oh, yeah. we The highest it gets is around the 40s, so even the summertime for our teen camp, we still are pretty, you know, dressed up in winter gear and things like that, uh, but, you know, depending on the day, but it could also be, we, we don't want it to get too hot because then we get really bad mosquitoes, so... <laughs> Uh, 30s, 40s is good. Oh, man. And uh, Steve, I'm sorry, I didn't ask about what's happening in, in uh, your neck of the woods there again. Oh, well, you know, we're just uh, doing the normal things. Um, I know Pastor Strobel was able to get back uh, to Attica a couple of weeks ago, and then uh, it was my first opportunity to get there this past Tuesday, which was the 31st, and uh, it was good to get back with the guy. It's been a long time. And uh, a little bit different uh, venue than we're normally accustomed to. Uh, years past, we were always in the education wing in, in what basically are classrooms, you know, various sizes and so forth. And, uh, you know, you could always talk and, and uh, preach and, and teach in there without any trouble. This time we were in a, a very, very, very large room. And uh, they had three industrial fans going on, which, you know, obviously was, was good to cool things off and so forth, but <laughs> it was like preaching through a hurricane. I mean, you know, guys that were only 
probably about six feet in front of you to eight feet in front of you and they could had a hard time hearing uh, all the articulation of your words and so forth which made it quite a challenge so I had to kind of use a little bit of the street preaching voice and and so forth but uh, we made it through and and hopefully by the grace of God we'll be able to get a different different venue so that we don't have to uh, exert our voices so 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 much so but it was a good mm-hmm. time good to see some of the good uh, guys that we had uh, been with before and had a chance to uh, teach and preach and and uh, so it was a real blessing amen good to hear and Pastor Strobel also joining us from beautiful uh, Lockport, New York. Um, I don't know if it's sunny today. It's overcast here. What's happening in Lockport? It is sunny, and I thank the Lord for that. Very comfortable and pleasant outside. And uh, yes, I was with uh, Brother Steve as well just at this uh, last time over there in Attica. And, and man, I can attest to uh, the straining uh, of uh, the voice and trying to get it through there. The first time I was there, I moderated a bit. But I didn't do the uh, study. Another brother uh, did that. Uh, this time I, I did the first one, and my soul was, I mean, I was hurting. My throat was hurting trying to just uh, get the words out. And you, you have necessity to speak a little bit faster when I'm trying to deliver a study like that than, and cover all the material. Then, um, you know, I would do with a street preaching voice uh, where you can go a little bit slower and just be more pronounced. But I got up um, last night at church to uh, start with the Wednesday night service, and I started talking, and I'm thinking to myself, boy, it sounds weird, you know? <laughs> um, I, like I had, I didn't think I had a cold or something like that. And, and as I was speaking, I remembered the night before and the strain, and so it it uh, it was a strain. And then all that to say, um, I, th- I think I should be able to get everything out uh, today, but if I start... <coughs> <laughs> and stuff like that, uh, or squeak or something like that, uh, you'll know what's going on Amen. and why. <laughs> Amen. And uh, I sound like that just normally, so I'll try to I'll try to edit it out so so you can't hear too much of it. So I tried to describe the podcast a little bit at the beginning um, to give more information. And would you add anything to that if somebody was to say, "Well, that's in the Bible." That, that, podcast you do what what is that all about how would you answer them i would answer them just by reiterating the title you know the lord i think really led you and gave you a real good title for this podcast because that is what this podcast is about it's it's what mm-hmm. is in the bible and that's what we're about as as christians brothers of uh, like faith i mean we're all about what's in the bible and I'll I'll even elaborate a bit on that uh, during the course of the lesson today, so um, okay. I won't say too much more about it right now. All right. Well, I, I think it's interesting that you put the question mark at the end of it because a lot of people are. And I don't mean to step on anything that Pastor Stroll is going to say, but uh, in the in the Bible study, but uh, you know, it's. I think people find it strange when you teach the Bible that. Is that really in the Bible? Is that what it really says? Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, you know, again, I, I reiterate, I think the Lord led you with that title because there's a lot of people that when they hear the truth are not accustomed to or, or at least know that a lot of those truths or all of those truths <laughs> are, are in the Scripture themselves. And so I think it's a, kind of a cool thing to, to be able to present truth and uh, let people you know, deal with uh, with the Lord as to whether it's true or not, yeah. and uh, just present the facts. Amen. 
I think one of the nice things too is, you know, as as a pastor and a preacher, it's it's sometimes it's hard to always be able to bring all these things forth in a church setting, especially on a Sunday morning or something like that for some of these. So it's it's nice to be able to have a platform like this to be able to, you know, bring some of those truths across as well. Not not that we don't preach the whole counsel of God from church, but you know, I think this is just another avenue too to be able to uh, help be able to get some truth out. So so it's a blessing. Amen. And, uh, you know, I, I refer back to sometimes, you know, I'm thinking about a topic and I'm like, I think we cover that and I'll, I'll pull up the podcast and, uh, either listen or check out the, uh, you know, the show notes for Amen. You know, more information too. And, and they really we have covered a variety of topics in the past from suicide to finances to all kinds of things. And so I think there's, I think there's enough there for people that, um, something will pique their curiosity but that seems to me more and more and i know that um there's a booklet written called the unknown was it the unknown bible or the and there seems to be less and less people know you know what the what the bible says and what it's all about and not that this person was any great christian but even mark twain there's all kinds of biblical references if you read anything by mark twain without the knowledge of the bible you you, you don't really know what's he's referring to or talking about and i think in the culture of the day you know back then there there was a knowledge of the bible today yeah i would see that is sorely lacking you know amen but um let me just do this and then we'll come back and we'll um we'll do our study today have a question or topic that you want covered, email us at that's in the Bible at gmail.com or leave a phone message at 716-584-1611. God bless. All right, and that was the That's in the Bible Quartet. We're glad they could join us again today. And um, if you want to go to thatsinthebible.com, our website, there's other ways you can contact us too. So you can check all the episodes we've referred to today uh, on That's in the Bible at thatsinthebible.com. Stephen, your cue. Ah, well, you know, with uh, the number of people that are that are listening and so forth, uh, one of the things that I, I guess I've always been curious is how people find us. Uh, are they referred by a friend? Uh, are they just uh, floating around on uh, podcast, uh, uh, you know, uh, indexes or whatever? I don't even know the proper term for that. Uh, are they just hunting around, uh, uh, trying to find a, a topic that they're interested in and happen to come come across the podcast. You know, I'm interested in how people find us, and so uh, if you could leave uh, a comment or or a review or or anything along that line, if it's been a help, a blessing, if you don't like it, uh, you know, <laughs> leave us a comment. And uh, if you've got any suggestions on any um, studies that you'd like to hear, uh, just any of those things, we'd really like to hear from you. And uh, if you could drop us a line, uh, we'd really appreciate that. So thanks. Amen. Thank you for doing that. If, if I could just add, um, in regard to what Brother Steve said, with... Uh, comments that you want to make about if you don't like it you can direct those to pastor steve bear <laughs> care of that's in the bible.com <laughs> amen <laughs> amen 
And um, I don't think we've ever actually gotten any, you know, unkind emails. No. So. We, we've good. had some that have questioned some things. But, That's true. Uh, we try to answer back when we do uh, from the Bible. With, and with Christian grace and charity. I'm, I know Amen. Amen. each of the folks here. Well, Pastor Strobel, are you ready to bring the study on Is There a Literal Hell? Yes, Lord willing, by the grace of God. All right. Well, I'm going to give you the uh, the cue music, and here you go. Amen. Let's start with a word of prayer. Father, I do thank you today for the opportunity to meet once again with uh, these folks uh, that we do the podcast with, Lord, my fellow uh, brothers in Christ and servants of the Lord. And I thank you for these that uh, have joined us as well uh, to listen and and partake of these studies. Lord, I ask your help for me in delivering this uh, message and this uh, topic. Uh, So many things that could be said, and uh, you know where I'm planning to go with it. I pray that you'd guide me uh, in regard to that. Uh, go ahead and change anything on the fly that needs to be changed, uh, adding anything or subtracting anything. When it's all said and done, Lord, uh, may uh, this be plainly and clearly uh, laid out and understood by all that hear about what the Bible has to say regarding this subject. In Jesus' name, amen. So today I'm going to bring you a Bible study on a neglected subject that is indeed in the Bible, and that is the subject of hell. And I'm going to talk to you about, uh, is there a literal hell? Uh, There is no question that hell is in the Bible. The word shows up over 50 times uh, in the Bible. And if you happen to have a book that claims to be a Bible or scriptures and hell is not in it, then you don't have a genuine Bible. And on this podcast, when we speak of uh, the Bible in the English language, we're speaking of the old King James Bible first published in 1611. Uh, Not to be confused with the New King James Bible or the King James 21st Century Edition or whatever else they tack on to a a King James Bible. Also not to be confused with a new Schofield Bible that says it's a King James Bible on the cover, but changes the words in the text on the inside. So we're going to talk about hell from the Bible. And uh, hell, all right, Uh, if you have... Uh, looked in the scriptures and read it, a King James Bible from cover to cover, or even if you've just read significant portions of it, I trust that you've seen the word hell in there. As I've already stated, it's uh, listed over 50 times in 50 different over 50 different verses in the scriptures. And so hell is in the Bible. There's no doubt about it. Uh, but what is it? Uh, is it a state of mind? Is it separation from God? Is it just the grave? Is it a fictional place that's been invented to scare people? Uh, Is it a literal place where lost people go and spend eternity? There's a lot of varying opinions. But when it comes to what the truth is, uh, we're not interested in the opinion of a man, a group, or a religion. Uh, What we're interested in is what the Bible says. So regarding hell, what saith the scriptures? Let's start with Psalms 9 and verse 17. Psalm 9, verse 17. And that verse says this, The wicked shall be turned into hell, and all the nations that forget God. So there is one testimony from the Bible about hell. And the testimony of the Bible here is that wicked people go to hell, along with nations that forget God. Uh, That's pretty plain and clear. 
You may not uh, agree with it or like it, but that's what the Bible says. So let's make no mistake about it. Hell is in the Bible. The Bible talks about hell. And the Bible says the wicked shall be turned into hell and all the nations that forget God. With that in mind, hell then must be more than just the grave, like some folks teach, in particular, uh, the Jehovah's Witnesses. For the Jehovah's Witnesses' position on hell, and I'm going to give you um, some of what they say right here from uh, their website, which is www.jw.org. And this is from an article titled, Is Hell Real? What is Hell According to the Bible? And then the subheading, uh, The Bible's Answer. And here's what they say. Various older English Bible translations, such as the King James Version, use the word hell in some verses. Uh, yeah, some verses. Okay, uh, 54 to be exact. That's, don't, don't let them just trick you into thinking there's just a few. 54, okay? Uh, then it, they go on to say, but is that what the Bible teaches? So let me get let me leave my comment out and, and read that again. Various older Bible, various older English Bible translations, such as the King James Version, use the word hell in some verses. But is that what the Bible teaches? I'm going to interject again here. Look, if you want to know what the Bible teaches, uh, you're going to have to know what the Bible says. And they don't even know what the Bible says. So how can I trust them telling me about what the Bible teaches? Uh, next um, subheading. Is hell a place of eternal suffering? Again, this is from www.jw.org. Is hell a place of eternal suffering? Their answer, no. The original words translated as hell in some older Bible translations, um, and then they in parentheses say uh, Hebrew Sheol, Greek Hades. Uh, that's what the words that were used that were translated into hell. Uh, one Hebrew, one Greek, one Old Testament, one New Testament. And they say those words uh, basically refer to, quote, the grave. That is, the common grave of mankind. So that's, uh, that is part of the Jehovah's Witness position on hell. It pretty well sums it up where they teach that hell is uh, just the grave. If that is true, let me ask you this. What's the point of Psalm 917? The wicked shall be turned into hell and all nations that uh, forget God. Well, I mean, what's the point? I mean, do only wicked people and nations that forget God go to the grave? Of course not. Look, not even a Jehovah's Witness believes that. But in their zeal to eliminate hell, they create a false theological system that makes their doctrine out to be foolishness. And so uh, you, you want to be careful about messing with the Lord's book. You try to make a fool out of God, you wind up making a fool out of yourself. The Lord knows what he's talking about. Is there a literal hell? Yes. How do we know? Because that's what the Bible says. And the Bible gets it right every time. Uh, not every religion gets it right every time. Uh, how about um, Pope John Paul II back in the day? Pope John Paul II, this is from his general audience, Wednesday, 28th, July, 1999. A little more lengthy. Uh, redemption, he says, said, nevertheless remains an offer of salvation, which it is up to people to accept freely. This is why they will all be judged by what they have done. He cites Revelation 20, 13, uh, even though in the Catholic Bible it's, it's called apocalypse. 
Anyway, by using images, the New Testament presents the place destined for evildoers as a fiery furnace. Uh, let, me, let me emphasize that a little bit and just keep that in mind. He says, by using images, the New Testament presents the place destined for evildoers as a fiery furnace where people will weep and gnash their teeth. Matthew 13, 42, 25, 30, 41. Or like Gehenna with its unquenchable fire, Mark 9, 43. All this is narrated in the parable of the rich man, which explains that hell is a place of eternal suffering with no possibility of return nor of the alleviation of pain. I'm going to quit giving you the references here and just read you the text. (laughs) The book of Revelation also figuratively portrays in a pool of fire, of course that is actually the lake of fire, Revelation, Uh, But he says, uh, the book of Revelation also figuratively portrays a pool of fire. In a pool of fire, those who exclude themselves from the book of life, thus meeting with a second death. Whoever continues to be closed to the gospel is therefore preparing for eternal destruction and, and exclusion from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. He then says this, the images of hell that sacred scripture presents to us must be correctly interpreted. See, this is what you do when you don't like what the Bible says. Uh, you interpret it. You, you alter it, and you interpret it. Or if you're going to leave it as it stands, you just interpret your way out of uh, what it means. The images of hell that sacred scripture presents to us must be correctly interpreted. They show the complete frustration and emptiness of life without God. Pope John Paul II, rather than a place... Hell indicates the state of those who freely and definitively separate themselves from God, the source of all life and joy. This is how the Catechism of the Catholic Church summarizes the truths of faith on this subject. To die in mortal sin without repenting and accepting God's merciful love means remaining separated from him forever by by our own free choice. This state of definitive self-exclusion from communion with God and the blessed is called hell. That's the, that's the Roman Catholic position on hell, a la uh, Pope John Paul II. It's not, it's not a place of fire. It's not a uh, literal place. Uh, it is figurative, and it just represents being separated from God and being separated from heaven. So that's his opinion. As I said earlier, we're not interested in man's opinion or the opinion of religion. I'm not even interested in my opinion. I'm interested in what say the scriptures. Now, this um, next excerpt comes from uh, an article called Of Angels, Devils, and Messages from God by Richard N. Ostling and uh, Billy Graham, an interview he did with Billy Graham, Monday, November 15, 1993. Now, Billy Graham, uh, let's face it, he did a lot for the Lord, and and back in the day, I mean, he preached uh, hellfire and brimstone, and a lot of people have uh, gotten saved. We have two uh, people in our church who got saved by watching a Billy Graham crusade on television many years ago, and they've been uh, part of our church. They were part of our church since from before I got there. And uh, then their their kids grew up. One of their kids is uh, an assistant pastor. Um, both of them professed to know the Lord Jesus Christ, their Savior. So, I mean, Billy Graham did a lot of good. But later on in life, um, he made this unfortunate comment about hell and this is on the subject of hell quote the only thing i could say for sure is that hell means separation from god we are separated from his light from his fellowship 
that is going to be hell. When it comes to a literal fire, I don't preach it. Well, he used to. I don't preach it because I'm not sure about it. When the scriptures uses fire concerning hell, that is possibly an illustration of how terrible it's going to be. Not fire, but something worse, a thirst for God that cannot be quenched. So, again, um, like Dr. Ruckman used to say, any old port in a storm. And what is the storm? The storm is the criticism that people get for, for talking about hell. The storm is that, that people, when you stand up and proclaim that there is a hell and what the Bible says about it, there's a bunch of folks who don't like it. And then if you're put on the spot on a television interview, you know, like um, Joel Osteen with Larry King, or on a, a, a magazine article or something else, you know, you've got to squirm and, and, and squander. Uh, hell, for some people, doesn't fit with their idea of a loving God. Uh, I'll tell you, I'll say this much without getting into too much detail. I had those same thoughts uh, before I got saved uh, in a not-so-sober condition as I tried to figure all this stuff out. And I think that a problem is a lot of people aren't thinking soberly. Maybe they're not intoxicated on liquor or drugs, but um, their mind is, is inflated with what this world has to say and what their own preconceived opinions about God are. And the Jehovah's Witness cannot conceive of a God, a loving God, who would literally uh, have a literal hell and then allow people to go there and, and spend forever. So they just uh, eliminate that from their doctrine. So again, people can do what they want. They got a free will and they're free to make mistakes. What we're, what we're interested in is what does the scriptures have to say. So uh, Billy Graham uh, earlier in his life uh, would preach strongly about hell, understood what it was, and, and that's when he had it right. And as far as the question for this uh, Bible study and this podcast today, is there a literal hell? Yes, there is a literal hell where wicked people literally go. The thought of this may be distasteful. The thought of this may be repugnant. The thought of this may enrage you, but that does not mean there is no hell. Sometimes truth enrages us, but it's still truth. Again, some folks try to make religion more appealing by eliminating the idea of hell. Now, some people who are on their way to hell, they try to eliminate the thought of a literal hell because they don't want to repent of their ways, nor do they want to entertain the thought that it might be real because um, they have a sneaking suspicion if it is real, that's where they're going to go. I think about a song I used to uh, hear uh, at a friend's house um, quite frequently. They had a, a jukebox that uh, they had uh, gotten with certain records, and they, so we'd play certain things over and over again. But in the words of that song, uh, the singer would say, uh, I swear there ain't no heaven, and I pray there ain't no hell. Well, he's wrong about there not being to heaven, and he can pray there ain't no hell all he wants, but there is one. Why did he pray there ain't no hell? Because he knew in his heart and his mind, if there was, that's where he's going. And people would rather eliminate the idea of hell than repent and get saved by receiving Jesus Christ, their Savior, so that they go to heaven. In other words, they'd sooner maintain their own integrity and cleave to their own self-righteousness than trusting the, self, the, trusting the righteousness of God and the scriptural truth that they need to be saved. There is a hell. There is a hell. Nobody's opinions and uh, other ways of approaching the thing uh, have any bearing on the truth. It's what does the Bible say, and there is a hell, according to the scriptures. I don't get any sadistic pleasure in saying that, 
But there is a hell according to the word of God, and the word of God is truth. Jesus praying to the Father in John 17, 17 said, Sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth. Daniel speaks of uh, the book of Daniel, that which is noted in the scripture of truth. There is a Bible that's right. There is a truth. It's in the Bible, and in that Bible, it speaks the truth about hell, and there's a hell. Since the Jehovah's Witnesses do not believe in a literal hell as described in the Bible, they have taken and systematically removed every single reference to the word hell from the text of their New World Translation. And uh, that's their Bible, their, their uh, translation of the Bible. Uh, I think the full name is the New World Translation of the Holy Scriptures. It's the Jehovah's Witness Bible. Um, you used to see them around a lot in um, uh, kind of smaller, uh, thick, uh, green-covered, hard-covered uh, books. I'm sure they have them that, w- that way still around and, and maybe in, in other ways probably as well. But that's their Bible, and if you read through the text of that Bible, you would, uh, quote-unquote Bible, uh, you would never find hell in there. Uh, they, they eliminate it. Um, when it comes to the, men- the verse I mentioned earlier, Psalm 917, it doesn't say in, in the New World Translation, the wicked shall be turned into hell. It says the wicked shall be turned into Sheol. Well, doesn't that make it easy to understand? Why didn't they interpret it? I mean, why didn't they, uh, instead of uh, not interpret wouldn't be the right word, the, why didn't they translate it is what I meant to say. Why didn't they translate it? Because they didn't like the possibility of the translation hell. So they just left it. They transliterated it and gave you the, gave you the English, in English letters, the Hebrew word. Why? Because uh, the subject and the word hell is distasteful to them. But look, folks. One should never rewrite the Bible in order to conform to his doctrine. One should learn to rewrite his doctrine, if necessary, to conform to the Bible. And uh, that's how you can get things right. Be willing. Be willing to believe what the truth is. Be willing. A lot of people aren't willing to believe in a hell. Um, In John 7, verse 17, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ said, gave us um, uh, something. I'm going to give you the quotation exactly, so uh, let me pull it up here. It's one of those things that occurred to me uh, as we're going through this. But John 7 and uh, verse number 17, and the Lord Jesus Christ uh, says there, whoop, wrong one. One more time with feeling. John 7, 17, if any man will do his will, he shall know of the doctrine whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself. So the Lord, Jesus, gives you the understanding there and, the, and tells you the truth. If you want to know the doctrine, you've got to be willing to do God's will. And if you're not willing to accept the truth, I mean, why should the Lord bother even showing you? Moreover, he might show you, but you still won't understand it. You want to understand it? You understand what truth is? Then you need to be willing to do his will. Now, one of the most descriptive passages on hell in the Bible is in Luke chapter 16. The standard way of dismissing the truth of the passage in Luke chapter 16 is to call it a parable. Many people do that. Um, I believe in the quote I just read you from Pope John Paul too, he did it. Uh, The Jehovah's Witnesses do it later on in the article on jw.org. Uh, a lot of people dismiss it as a parable. Um, so uh, if you, with that in mind, will carefully 
check Luke chapter 16 and read it, I mean from the beginning to the end, every verse, uh, you'll find that there is absolutely no reference to the word parable in the chapter. People assume it to be a parable, but it doesn't say it's a parable. Uh, there's plenty of places in the scriptures where the Lord does uh, does say the Lord uh, spake a parable to them. doesn't say that in Luke chapter 16. And uh, even though it doesn't say that it's a parable, people claim it is, and they use that as an excuse for it not to be taken literally. You know, back in the Old Testament, one of the prophets, uh, Ezekiel, he ran into the same objections when he was trying to warn people of unquenchable fire. I'm going to read you now from uh, Ezekiel chapter 20, beginning in verse 45. He says, Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, set thy face toward the south, and drop thy word toward the south, and prophesy against the forest of the south field. And say to the forest of the south, Hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I will kindle a fire in thee, and it shall devour, devour every green tree in thee, and every tree, and every dry tree. The flaming flame shall not be quenched. It's unquenchable fire. The flaming flame shall not be quenched, and all faces from the south to the north shall be burned therein, and all flesh shall see that I, the Lord, have kindled it. It shall not be quenched. Then said I, this is Ezekiel talking now, then said I, Ah, Lord God, they say of me, doth he not speak parables? Ezekiel is trying to tell him about literal judgment coming with fire that wouldn't be quenched, and the people are saying, Oh, he's just, he just being figurative. This, that's not literal. That's just a parable. Ezekiel talking in parables. Well, uh, uh, the Lord knows uh, when a thing is a parable or not. And, and uh, so he tells you a lot of times when they're parables, right? He doesn't tell you that in Luke chapter 16. Why? Because Luke 16 isn't a parable. It's a literal, actual, actual story that historically took place dealing with literal people that lived and walked on this earth. So uh, we're going to look now at uh, some things about hell as they're found in Luke chapter 16. And the first thing I want to tell you about it is hell is a place of torment. Uh, first thing we're going to really come, come to about uh, some of the details about hell in Luke 16 is that it is a place of torment. Now the word torment is defined as meaning extreme pain or anguish of body or mind. Now even if you didn't have a definition and uh, somebody would ask you, would you, would you like to be tormented? Uh, you know you wouldn't want to be tormented. Torments is, is not something we want to go through. Uh, sometimes we have pain that uh, torments us. Sometimes we have people that uh, torment us. Sometimes our, we torment ourselves and our own uh, brains and was a, be sometimes you know, our own worst enemies. <laughs> but um, uh, torment is not something that somebody chooses to experience uh, under normal circumstances. Luke chapter 16 regarding torment and regarding hell. Let me start at the beginning of the story. Luke 16, verse number 19. The Lord Jesus Christ is speaking, and he says this, There was a certain rich man. Not a made-up one, a certain one. There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus. How about this? Uh, in in this uh, historical story, the Lord tells you the guy's name. You got a certain rich man. You got a beggar named Lazarus, uh, which was laid at his gate full of sores. So Lazarus, the beggar, was laid at the rich man's gate. Lazarus full of sores. And, uh, he, he he's not in good health and doesn't have money to go to the doctor. And uh, he's hungry. And so it says, And desiring to be fed with crumbs which fell from the rich man's table, moreover the dogs came and licked his sores. 
And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried, and in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments. So the, the two people die. Uh, one goes to Abraham's bosom, and uh, that was uh, paradise uh, in the center of the earth, separated by a great gulf with hell on one side and paradise on the other. Now, uh, after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and the blood that he shed and sprinkled upon the mercy seat, uh, he has led away captivity captive and opened the gates of heaven. And now people, uh, you know, have access to heaven. So you die now, you're absent from the body, but present with the Lord. But uh, this place here was where paradise was, which again is now up there in glory. Uh, and, and this is where a person who died prior to, to the gospel being completed, that a uh, saved person this is where they would go. So Lazarus goes to that place of uh, a paradise, uh, Abraham's bosom. The rich man dies and goes to hell. I want to stop here and point something out. You should notice that in an instant when they both die, their previous condition flip-flopped. The man that was rich became poor dying and going to hell and the man that was poor became rich with all the glories and riches of heaven now uh it's he didn't go there because he was poor uh he he went there because of his spiritual condition and if you want to get there to heaven uh your spiritual condition needs to be born again uh trust having trusted Christ as your savior so it says in hell the, about the rich man in hell he lift up his eyes being in torments so it was a place of torments. And seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his uh, finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. He's so tormented that he thought if he could just get even a, a little drop of water on his tongue to cool it, he would get some relief. But he said, I am tormented in this flame but Abraham said son remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things and likewise Lazarus evil things but now he is comforted and thou art tormented talks about it repeatedly tormented says it again in verse 28 for I have five brethren they may testify unto them that lest they also come into this place of torment right hell is a literal place and hell is a place number one of torment and secondly, which we've already encountered, uh, hell is a place of fire. <clears throat> Remember what he said there in Luke 16, 24? The rich man says he is tormented in this flame. So it's a fire, a place of flaming fire. That's why it's depicted that way. It's not a cartoon that somebody made up uh, with the devil in a pitchfork uh, pitch um, in flames. Uh, it, it is a place of fire. And uh, here, here it is in Luke chapter 16, verse 24. He's tormented in this flame. The Lord Jesus Christ referred to hell as a furnace of fire. <clears throat> I'm not going to go through and give you the entire reference, the, read the entire references of those verses, but I'm going to give you what the references are. And that's Matthew 13, verses 41 and 42, and 49 and 50. Matthew 13, 41, 42, and, and then verses 49 and 50. He calls it a furnace of fire. That's fire. 
you think about a furnace, um, you know, you're thinking about uh, you know, blasting fire, just burning hot. And that's what it's like. In Mark chapter 9 and verse 43, Jesus declares hell as being the fire that never shall be quenched. Unquenchable fire like as Ezekiel uh, talked about. Uh, we'll get some more about this a little bit later on in the study. But I want to point something else out about hell. And a lot of people don't think about this. But uh, hell is a place of remembrance. It is a literal place. It's a place of fire. It is a place of torment. And it is a place of remembrance. That is to say, when a person gets to hell, the memory of the individual is intact when he gets there. Think about what we read. And, and look at it there in Luke 16.25. He says, it says, But Abraham said, Son, and he's talking to um, the rich man who died and went to hell. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus, uh, evil things. He said, remember. Uh, he wouldn't tell him to do something he couldn't do. He wanted him to remember. And in hell, he did remember. Notice um, further that he also remembers his family in hell. And he's concerned about them. He's concerned about his brothers that they don't wind up there. Uh, you know who has more of a burden for souls in hell than uh, the average Christian? Uh, or souls going to hell? Folks that are there. Uh, folks that are in hell are more concerned about other folks not going there than a lot of Christians are. Luke sixteen twenty seven and 28. Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house. Look, in hell he remembered his family. He says, uh, send, send Abraham to my father's house. Of course, this couldn't happen. Abraham, uh, um, or send uh, Lazarus to my father's house. It couldn't happen. Lazarus couldn't go there. But he says, for I have five brethren that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. He remembered his brothers. He remembered his life. He remembered what he went through. He remembered the good things that he used to indulge in. And uh, he remembered his family. You're going to remember it in hell. You're going to remember it. In hell, you're going to remember what you've done against God, and you're going to be ashamed about it forever. In hell, people that go there are going to remember all of the opportunities, opportunities they had to get saved, but neglected or rejected. They will remember that. If they sat in the church listening to an invitation song, Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, and that thou bidst me come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come, and they didn't come, they're going to remember that. If they sat in a church and heard an invitation, pass me not, O gentle Savior, you know, hear my humble cry, while, while in others thou art calling, do not pass me by, and they didn't uh, come and call upon him and trust him as their Savior, they're going to remember that. They will remember uh, what, they, what they should have done and had the opportunity to do, but they didn't do. Well, man, could you imagine all those invitation songs uh, going through your head? Uh, hear the, and, and even regular just hymns, hear the blessed Savior calling the oppressed, oh, you heavy laden, come to me and rest. And you never came to him, and in hell, you got that going through your head. It'll be too late then. Your remembrances in hell are going to be filled with regret. I'll tell you something else about uh, hell. It's, I'm telling you it's a place of fire. It's a place of remembrance. And uh, regarding the fire, let me tell you that uh, hell burns forever. It burns forever. 
Matthew, 5, Matthew 25, verse 41, Jesus referred to hell as everlasting fire. What's everlasting? It's something that lasts forever. And it's everlasting fire. Revelation 14, 11 says, And the smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever and ever, and they have no rest day nor night. That's from folks that took the mark of the beast in the tribulation, went to hell. No rest day or night. It's true of anybody that goes to hell. They got no rest day or night. When a person goes to hell, all hope is gone, finally and forever. Uh, This is why the Lord Jesus Christ uh, asked the question to get people to think when he said, For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? There's nothing worth going to hell over. It's a literal place that burns with literal fire uh, for a literal eternity. You don't want to go there. Who in their right mind would want to go to hell? Who in their right mind would neglect their eternal soul and risk winding up in hell? Uh, Folks, the problem is there's just a lot of people running around on this earth that are not in their right mind. Many of us ran around for years not in our right mind. And but for the grace of God, we'd still be running around like that. But I thank the Lord for um, him uh, passing by my way and and calling me uh, to repentance and just the grace of God uh, that I was allowed to be able to trust Christ as my Savior, to repent of my sin and receive him. April 25th, 1980, I got that settled. And um, tell you what, it's good to be saved. And salvation, you know, you may, you may re- regret a lot of things. You may repent a lot of things. But it's like the scripture says about salvation. It says, godly sorrow worketh, worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of. You may regret a lot of things, but you'll never regret trusting Jesus as your Savior. I- is hell a literal place? Yes, it is. How do we know? From the Bible. What's the Bible have to say about it? Uh, the Bible has to say that it is a place of everlasting fire. Something else about hell. Hell is the eternal home of the lost. In that it is a, a place of everlasting fire, it's the eternal home for some people, and in particular the lost, that is unsaved people. What's an unsaved person? Anybody in their natural state who's uh, gotten old enough to be accountable, they've reached that place of accountability, and uh, what age that happens, uh, it's, it's no doubt different at different times for different people. But um, once you reach that age or that point of accountability in your life and you are responsible for your sin, uh, you're no longer protected uh, by your innocence as, a, as like a, a baby, an infant. Um, you are responsible and, and that's your natural state. and Your natural state is lost. If a man's not saved, he's lost. If you don't trust Jesus Christ as your Savior, you don't have him. And he that hath the Son hath life. And he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. So unsaved people go to hell when they die. They stay in hell until the great white throne judgment, at which point they are brought up before the throne of God to be judged. After they're judged, every man according to his works, this isn't to see if they get to come out of hell and, and um, you know, go to heaven. Their fate was sealed when they died without Christ. Uh, what, is, what this is for is, is it's their day in court. Right? Everybody wants to you know, have their day in court. They're going to get it. But uh, up there at the great white throne judgment, uh, the judge is going to be on the throne, and he's going to uh, throw the book at you. And the book's going to be the word of God. Jesus said the, words that, the word that I've spoken, the same shall judge you in the last day. At that great white throne judgment, the books are open. 
Uh, that Those books are going to include the 66 books of your Bible. And you're going to be judged by those things written in the books. And it, it's going to be, your, your life will be an open book as well. And the things that are written there recorded of your behavior. And you can try and deny it. And you can try and tell the Lord, I don't have, you know, um, I didn't have an opportunity. And you know what the Lord's going to do at that uh, great white throne judgment at that trial? He's going to call witnesses. And the witnesses are going to be people down here that witnessed about Jesus Christ and try to give you a gospel tract or try to uh, present the plan of salvation to you. And you either rejected it or wouldn't listen or wouldn't take the tract. And uh, I can see the Lord pulling somebody up there and say, all right, this guy said he didn't have any opportunity to get saved. Uh, tell him about that day. And God will give him the date. And they'll say, yes, Lord, I was right there. I, this was the man. I tried to give him a try. And it'll be too late, folks. Uh, so I say your trial at the great white throne judgment, at that trial, you have no hope if you've died lost. You have no hope of acquittal. What it is, it's your day in court your chance to stand before God, every one of us shall give account of himself to God. It is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. And that is your judgment. And after that lake of fire, after, after that judgment, have, having been removed from hell to stand before God, the unsaved people will be cast into the lake of fire to spend eternity. And, and hell is going to be cast in the lake of fire. For all practical purposes, the lake of fire becomes hell for all of eternity and that's where the unsaved going to spend eternity it is to going to be the madhouse of the universe it is right now there will be weeping wailing and gnashing of teeth and there is right now uh, that kind of thing going up the unsaved will burn but they will not burn up in Revelation chapter 19 and verse 20, the beast was taken at the end of the tribulation period when Jesus Christ comes back at the second advent. The beast was taken and with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast and them that worshipped his image. And the Bible says these both were cast alive into a lake of fire burning with brimstone. They're cast in there at the end of the tribulation. Jesus comes back, sets up his kingdom, rules and reigns on this earth for a thousand years. After a thousand uh, years, um, something happens. The end of the, that's a thousand years of millennium. At the end of that time, it says in Revelation 20, verse 7, when the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison. Now, while the beast and the false prophet were cast in the lake of fire, Satan was bound in the bottomless pit for a thousand years until... Uh, thousand years were over and he'd be loose and now he's be, now he's loosed satan shall be loosed out of his prison and when the thousand years are expired satan shall be loosed out of his prison and shall go out to deceive the nations which are in the four quarters of the earth gog and magog to gather them together to battle the number of whom is as the sand of the sea and they went up on the breadth of the earth and compassed the camp of the saints about in the beloved city and fire came down from down from god out of heaven and devoured them now, here's what I want you to see at, that, at this time. It says, And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone. So, as I said, he was in the bottomless pit. Now he's cast into the lake of fire. And it says, he was, And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. He says they're ca he's, the devil's cast in the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are. The beast and the false prophet were cast into there a thousand years before. 
and a thousand years later, for a thousand years they've been burning, and a thousand years later they haven't burned up. That's because the soul is different than the body. You know, if we put our bodies in the lake of fire, all right, that body would burn up, but the soul uh, wouldn't. Now, they were cast alive in the lake of fire, so maybe their body literally did burn up, but that soul uh, doesn't, and that soul has a bodily shape. You remember when we were reading about the rich man, uh, Luke uh, 16? Uh, he wanted some uh, water to cool his tongue. And it said in hell, he lift up his eyes being in torments. That's the soul. That soul is made up of different properties in the body. It's got a bodily shape, but made up of different properties. And that soul can burn without burning up. And that's what's uh, happening to the beast and the false prophet uh, for a thousand years and will continue to happen to them and the devil and everybody else in hell. Uh, let me say this, you know, uh, it's, God doesn't get any sadistic pleasure out of this either. Back in Ezekiel, he says, saying to them, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his evil way and live. Turn ye, turn ye from evil way and live. For why will you die, O house of Israel? God don't want anybody to go to hell. Hell wasn't even prepared um, for man. The Bible says it was prepared for the devil and his angels. But when man rejected uh, God, uh, there was uh, one place that he could confine them so they wouldn't pollute up the universe forever and ever, and that was hell. And that's why folks go there. God wants him to go to heaven. The Lord is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So he's long-suffering to us, Lord, and uh, that's what he wants. But uh, he gives you a free will, and you'll make your own choice. And uh, you will live with those consequences for eternity. In Revelation chapter 20, uh, after this, you have the great white throne judgment described, beginning in verse 11. And I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. This is the end of a, a lost sinner. Hell. Dying and going to hell. Suffice it to say at this point, you, you don't want to end up in hell. You don't want to end up in hell. In addition to um, all of these things, uh, in hell, you will not be able to satisfy your bodily cravings or discomforts. I mean, again, I don't know if you've, you've thought about this much, but uh, as you go through there, again, with that rich man, you know, he wanted a drop of water to cool his tongue. He, he, he was in, in discomfort, but he couldn't get that. He, he asked for it in uh, Luke 16, 24, and he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water. And cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. And uh, Abraham, that's where Abraham res responds, you know, you receive the good things and, and Lazarus the evil in, your life, in his lifetime and, and in yours. And he's comforted, you're tormented. And he says this in verse 26, And beside all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. He couldn't get it. And so you stop and think about this. Uh, people have certain cravings on this earth. 
addictions even. Their flesh crawls for them. I mean, hell's going to be a place where you cannot get any of those uh, urges satisfied. And, and for those ad- with uh, addictions, physical addictions and cravings, hell will be a place of eternal withdrawal from whatever sins they used to indulge in. It's not the place you want to be. Um, uh, hell is a bad place to be, contrary to uh, lyrics from a uh, popular song back uh, several years ago, many years ago now. It's a bad place. Uh, how bad is hell? Well, uh, in Matthew chapter 5, in verses uh, 29 and 30, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ teaches a person that hell is so bad, you'd be better off plucking out your eye or cutting off your hand if either of them kept you from getting saved. He said, And if thy right hand offend thee, pluck it out and cast it from thee, for it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. And if thy right hand offend thee, cut it off and cast it from thee, for it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, and that uh, thy whole body should be, and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. I mean, the, the Lord here uh, is telling them that if you got, if your eye keeps you from getting saved, if your hand keeps you from getting saved, you you'd be better to pluck out your eye, cut off your hand, than to die and go to this place called hell. And he. He, he hits it again in Mark chapter 9, verse, beginning in verse 43. And if thy hand offend thee, cut it off. It is better for thee to go into life maimed than having two hands to go into hell, into the fire that never shall be quenched. I mean, I mean how do you fit grave into that? You'd be better to cut off your hands and go to the grave? It, it makes no sense at all. It, he's talking about a place of fire. Hell, the fire that shall never be quenched. He says this, Where their worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. And if thy foot offend thee, cut it off. It is better for thee to enter halt into life than having two feet to be cast into hell, into the fire that never shall be quenched. Where their worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. And if thine eye offend thee, pluck it out. It is better for thee to enter into the kingdom of God with one eye than having two eyes to be cast into hell fire. Where their worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. Is there a literal hell? Yes. And it burns with fire. Fire and brimstone. If a preacher is not a hellfire and brimstone preacher, he's not a Bible preacher. Because the Bible talks about hellfire and brimstone. We've, we've read both of those things to you uh, from the scriptures today. And uh, three times the Lord Jesus says there, Where their worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. That's a strange thing. Uh, what's that all about? Well, I, I know this much. Um, the Lord Jesus Christ said, What shall it profit a man if he should gain the whole world and lose his own soul? When a person dies, they that soul goes in there and he loses it. I mean, following this through, he goes in there into the lake of fire with a body that's got uh, parts, but that he loses that soul. And the the picture is that that thing degenerates to the place where it's a worm. And you got a place in Isaiah where it's talking about the devil and the worms cover him. So, all right, maybe that's trying to put the pieces together a little bit, and, and I, won't, I won't hound on that as being the absolute uh, proper way of looking at things as I, I have on these other things. But what a thought. I remember um, reading about this and processing this uh, reading a commentary, uh, Dr. Upman's commentary on the book of Revelation many years ago. I was in Bible school at the Hiles Anderson College. I had a year there. I was in a dormitory reading uh, Dr. Ruckman's Revelation commentary. And I was reading through there, and he's going through some of that stuff. 
I'm going to tell you, it gripped me because I had loved ones going to hell. And I stopped right then and there, um, got down on my knees beside my bed, and I earnestly prayed for their souls. And how about yours? I mean, you don't want to toy around with your eternity. Uh, people say, well, how do you know? How do you know? You, you can know if you want to know. And the problem is you, really, you don't really want to know. There's other things that are more important to you. But if you want to know it, if any man will do his will, he shall know of the doctrine, whether it be of God or whether um, I speak of myself. Seek and ye shall find. Ye shall seek me and find me when ye shall search for me with all your heart. That's what the Lord says. And there is a hell uh, better, better off for us. There's a heaven. You can get there by trusting Christ your Savior, but if you don't, you do wind up in hell. There's only two possible places you can go for eternity. Uh, heaven or hell. Uh, not limbo, not purgatory, uh, non-existent places, uh, heaven or hell. So don't mess around. Don't toy around with your eternity. Settle it now. The time is short. Now, what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. And the Lord Jesus Christ is the way of salvation. He said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If you'd be saved, you can come to him right now. You can bow your head and call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and ask him to save you from your sin with an earnest heart of repentance over, over the sin of your life and your rejection of God. And you can turn and put your faith in Jesus Christ as your only hope for heaven. And I would encourage you to do that now before you forget about it, neglect it, and put it off. And it's too late. And then death sneaks up on you. And you, like the rich man, find yourself dead, being buried, there's the grave, and then the soul being in hell, lifting up its eyes in torments. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. And you'll be glad you did. Boy, another uh, another really, really, really excellent study, um, and I know that for folks that um, you know, death and hell, those topics aren't always the things that people gravitate towards. You know, they want to hear the, you know, the the positive aspect. But you know, there's God's a, a complete God. He's a balanced being, and there is uh, there's judgment as well. You know, there's judgment, there's death, and then there there is oh, hell. No. And just as Jeremiah often said, he, he quoting from God, that they prophesy a lie unto you, these folks that, you know, say there is no hell or it's just separation from God. Um, so you need to know the truth. But let's go to uh, Pastor Matt in the Arctic. Hey, man, great study. And, you know, it just made me think about, especially as you're going over different um, religions and heres heresies and things like that, that people believe. And uh, one of the biggest uh, preachers, I don't know if he still is, but uh, is Joel Osteen. And I think probably a lot of us have seen the clip on Larry King Live that he had when he was talking to Larry King. And he got a lot of flack from even Christians uh, or people that at least watched him uh, from what he said, but if you don't know who Joel Steen is, uh, he's an evangelism. He was on Larry King in, uh, I think it was June 20th of 2005. You can look this up online if you want, but uh, 
you know, he has about 30,000 people every weekend that comes to his church. He's got a big kind of like a stadium that he has. And so, of course, we know he's real popular. And um, he's a New York Times bestseller uh, for the book, Your Best Life Now. <laughs> and I'm not saying go out and get it, okay? But uh, but it's called The Seven Steps to Living uh, at Your Full Potential. So he's, uh, I said all that to say this, he is really popular uh, in the Christian, you know, circles, I guess, if you will, in some Christian circles. And so this is just a little transcript. Transcript. This isn't the whole thing. I just wanted to give you a little part of what he said. So Larry King says, uh, have you always believed? And uh, he goes on and he talks about, you know, his parents and all that. But then Larry King says this, but you're not fire and brimstone, right? You're not pound the decks in hell and damnation. And so Joel Osteen said this, no, that's not me. It's never been me. I've always been an encourager at heart. And when I took over from my father, he came from the Southern Baptist background and back 50, 40, 50 years ago, there was a lot more of that. But you know, I just, I don't believe in that. I don't believe maybe it was for a time, but I, I don't have it in my heart to condemn people. I'm there to encourage them. I see myself more of a coach as a motivator to help them experience the life God has for us. Uh, and then Larry King says this, but don't you think if people don't believe as you believe, they're somehow condemned? Olstein said this, you know, I think that happens in our society, but I try not to do that. I tell people all the time, preached a couple Sundays about it, I'm for everybody. You may not agree with me, but to me, it's not my job to try to straighten everybody out. The gospel is called the good news. My message is a message of hope. That's God's uh, and puts message for you. You can live a good life no matter what's happened to you. And so I don't know. I know there is condemnation, but I don't feel that's my place. So he keeps going on and there's more about it. You can read it if you want. But uh, here is one of the most popular uh, secular supposed Christian preachers out there not saying that anybody's really condemned, you know, and he's not going to condemn anybody. Uh, and and that's what that's what we've got a lot today is a lot of the lost people and maybe you're listening right now and one of the biggest arguments is this well how could a, such a loving God a God that's all love um, and the Bible says that God is love First John four eight how could He condemn somebody and send them to hell if God is love and w- what I've got to say to that is well First John four eight is true God is love but that's not all He is that's not His only attribute. In Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 4, it says, He, talking about God, is the rock. His work is perfect. For all his ways are judgment, a God of truth, and without iniquity, just and right is he. So his attributes, not just love, his attributes also uh, ju- uh, one of judgment, of truth, and uh, he's just and right. And uh, the same apostle, you know, which is John, that wrote, God is love, he also wrote Revelation 20, verse 15. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast in the lake of fire. And of course, John also wrote John 3.36 under the inspiration of God. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. And then John also wrote in, of course, we know John 3.16, but in John 3.18, it says, He that believeth on him, on Jesus Christ, is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So Joel Steen, when he says, oh, I just don't know, I don't know, well, he's he's either ignorant or he's trying to get one on people and trying to keep, uh, you know, trying to keep people and followers and things like that, which I think it's of the latter. I think if you've been in any kind of ministry for that long, 
uh, you know what the truth is, and he's trying to you know skirt around the issue. The Bible says you're condemned already. You know you're already the gavel's already come down upon you if you haven't received Christ as your Savior. That's why that rich man, when he died and in hell, he lifted up his eyes. His judgment was already you know it was already settled because he didn't get saved. And so again, when when you know you might think maybe somebody's listening right now and they're not saved, they have never received Christ as their Savior. Uh, if you say, well, how could a loving God send anybody to hell? Well, as Pastor Strobel says, he doesn't get any pleasure from it, no pleasure from the death of the wicked. And God is love, and that's why he sent his only begotten son. I mean, that, that's the greatest the greatest thing that anybody could ever do is to give their only child. I, I can't even imagine. You know, I couldn't even imagine giving up my son for anybody. But here is, is God Almighty knowing that most of the world would reject Jesus Christ, his only begotten son, and still send him to die for us. That's love. But then if you don't accept that love, then of course there is judgment to come for your sin, which God says you're condemned already. The wrath of God abides upon you. And whosoever is not found written in the book of life is cast into the lake of fire. So amen. Great study. Amen, Pastor Steve. Yeah, amen. Uh, definitely a subject that uh, uh, people do not like. And uh, obviously the subject of hell is it's not one that I guess preachers really relish in preaching. They're, they're you know, not like chomping at the bit to, to to preach it. But again, we're commanded to preach the whole counsel of God, and that's part of it. And uh, it's better to be truthful with someone about the facts of the of the Scripture than to for a preacher to stand up before God and give account for for not preaching on the subject of hell. Uh, you know, I think it's been said that Jesus Christ preached more on hell than any other preacher in the Bible, and that, I believe that to be true. Uh, you know, I know that the lost people don't like to hear about the subject. Uh, they try to joke their way around it. You know, all my buddies, we're going to go down to hell, we're going to have a good time, we're going to drink beer and all that kind of stuff. Yep. And they they don't understand the reality of that hell, and it, and it scares me really to think that people are willing to bet their everlasting soul on something they're hoping isn't true. And that's their, their hope. They hope it's not true. They don't have a fact of knowing that it's not true. They just hope it's not true. And, and you know, I heard an old preacher say that uh, anytime you hear somebody trying to air condition hell, they're getting ready to move in. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, that's uh, that's something that that uh, a lost person really needs to take into account. Am I willing to bet my everlasting soul on what I think is right instead of what the Scripture says to be to know that it is the truth that it is right? And the other thing I want to maybe draw attention. I know that the lost doesn't like to hear about the subject, but you'd be surprised how many Christians don't like to hear the subject. That's right. Uh, there's, you know, when you, when you bring up that subject, uh, you know, Christians just kind of squirm in their seat because it's uncomfortable for them. And, uh, I preached here, here last few weeks about, uh, uh, public ministry. And one of the things that I said that, uh, people don't like or why Christians don't get involved in public ministry is because they have no burden. There's no burden uh, of people that are that are going to hell. Uh, you know, 
you have example of Jesus Christ, you know, where he says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, which killest the prophets and stonest them that are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered the, uh, thy children together as a hen would gather her brood under her wings, and ye would not. Uh, the Apostle Paul had that same kind of burden in Romans chapter 9, verses 1 through 3. He says, I say the truth in Christ, and I lie not. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost that I have a great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart. That's a burden. For I wish, or for I could wish that myself were accursed for Christ, for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. And then just one more in, in Romans chapter 10 and verse 1, it says, My brethren, brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved you know there is there should be a burden in Christians and part of of having that burden is realizing where people are going to go I think that's one reason why in in Psalm 126 verses 5 and 6 they that sow in tears shall reap in joy he that goeth forth and weepeth bearing precious seeds shall doubtless come again uh, with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Uh, I uh, I did this uh, a couple of times, and, and I don't know that I did it on purpose, but it was something that I noticed. I talked about the the burden and reason why people don't don't uh, get involved in public ministry, and there are several uh, paintings or pictures of. The, uh, I guess you could say the reality of hell. Uh, they've drawn a picture of hell and the people agonizing there in the flames and so forth. And I, I took that picture and I, one time I showed it up on a screen. Another time I just had a book. I didn't have a screen available and just showed the picture in the book. And you'd be interested. Uh, you'd, it is interesting to, to know what the reactions of people were. Uh, they, they looked away. Uh, as soon as they saw the picture, they just put their head down and didn't want to look at it anymore. Uh, and they know the reality that it, that it is a real place, but they don't want to accept that. Uh, it's uh, There's a sense of avoidance. Uh, they push the thought away. They don't want to think about it. Like I said, they look away or they ignore it. Uh, some people get angry when you show a picture of hell because it, it's not something they want to consider. And uh, we have to, as, as born-again Christians, uh, we need, uh, as much as anybody, to believe that there is a literal place called hell and people are going there. Man. And uh, we need to be involved. You don't have to go out and just start screaming at everybody, you're going to hell, you're going to hell, but at least have the burden of knowing that people are going there and they need to hear the good news of the gospel. And mm -hmm. uh, we, we need to take advantage of that and, and, and preach that and uh, have a heart that's heavy for those. I mean, I have some family members that I, I'm, I've, I'm not sure if they've trusted Christ. I tried to do the best I could and tried to lead them, but I, I couldn't believe for them. And uh, my heart aches that, that someone has made that choice of betting their soul that there is no such a place. And, of course, in the Bible, we know that it is. It's true. It's a real place, and people are going there. So, Brother Strobel, thank you very much for the, for the message. I hope as it goes out on the podcast that uh, when they see the subject, they'll be at least interested in listening, 
gathering the facts and I hope by the grace of God that some people will have uh, heard this that are lost and decide to trust Jesus Christ because of it. So praise the Lord. Good study. Amen. So let me, Steve, you kind of touched on this and, and um, you know, this is a serious topic and and sometimes when you're talking to unsaved people about heaven and hell, um, one of the things that they might say is that, are you telling me my mother, father, grandfather, whoever is in hell? Is that what you're telling me? How, how do you respond to that? Well, I, I try not to, to skirt the issue too drastically, but I, I will tell them this. I'll say, look, I don't know who your grandmother was. I don't know what she lived like. I don't know if she, she might have trusted Jesus Christ. I have no idea. But if she did not get saved and trust the Lord Jesus Christ, then the Bible says, the Bible says, the Bible says that she went to hell. Now, you know, again, I don't know for sure. I can't tell you for sure. But if the Bible's true and she did not receive Christ as her Savior, then that's what the Bible says her destination is. So that's how I try to handle it. Amen. But I don't try to give a definite answer say, yes, she's in hell. I have no idea. Amen. But I try to put it that the fact that if the Bible, you know, if she didn't do what the Bible says for her to do, then the Bible gives the, the judgment on that. Amen. Hey man, that's, that's kind of the route I go to, you know, just saying also, who knows, you know, on her deathbed, she may have, you know, asked the Lord Jesus Christ to save her. We just, we just don't know until we get to heaven, you know. But um, I also sometimes add in, too, Pastor Shubble was going through Luke chapter 16, and one of the big prayers, of course, that the rich man had when he was in hell was, please send Lazarus that he may go and, you know, tell my brethren, because I have five brethren, you know, I don't want them to come to this place of torment. And so I always tell people, whether your whether your you know loved one is in heaven or hell, whichever one it is, their big prayer right now is please send somebody to tell, you know, my loved ones not to go to hell. And uh, you know that's that's, that's one of the biggest things. That's that's the biggest prayer that there is right now in hell is for uh, somebody to go to the lost ones. And and I preached a message a few weeks ago here in Point Hope on the fact that. Uh, every time you witness to somebody, you're answering somebody's prayer, uh, somebody's prayer in hell or heaven of going to uh, their loved ones. And, and uh, um, whether they know now or they'll know at the judgment, they'll be so thankful to us, uh, whatever the outcome was for that soul, if they get saved or not, when we witness to them, they're going to be so thankful that we answered that prayer. Amen. You know, the sad thing is, and, and uh there in Luke chapter 16, I, I think I mentioned it on, on Tuesday, talking to the guys there at Attica, uh, you know, t talked about hell and so forth and, and the judgment of God. And, and um, the sad thing is, is that, you know, Abraham gave the answer to Lazarus when he asked what just uh, what Matt was saying about sending someone, sending Lazarus. And... Uh, he said, uh, they have, in verse 29, he says, they have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. Well, Moses and the prophets is the word of God. Man. They have the word of God, let them hear them. And he says, nay, Father Abraham, but if one went uh, unto them from the dead, they will repent. 
And he said, uh, Abraham said there in verse 31, if they hear not Moses and the prophets, in other words, if they don't hear the word of God, they're not going to be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. And you know what? Somebody did rise from the dead. Amen. That was Jesus Christ. And they still don't believe. So they've got the witness of someone rising from the dead, and they have the witness of the scriptures, and they won't be persuaded because they're betting their everlasting soul on the fact that what the Bible says is false and what they think, their opinion, is fact. And they're hoping that it's so. And uh, they'll end up splitting hell wide open. And I don't say that with any joy at all. I say that with a with a heart full of compassion, not wanting anybody to go there. God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Amen. So, uh, the, you know, hell's a real place. And, and anybody that's even thinking about it, uh, you know, <laughs> run away from it, get saved, and, and trust Amen. Christ, and, and don't even don't even fool with those kind of thoughts. Amen. You know, I, I remember when I first got saved, and I read Matthew seven thirteen. Uh, and it says, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat, because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way that leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. And, of course, Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And everybody, as we've already said, are trying to go all different directions other than receiving Christ as their Savior. And I remember shortly after I got saved, reading that verse, and it just came, I mean, it just was so real to me, like, oh my goodness, you know, most of the people in this world are going to go to hell because they will not receive Jesus Christ as their Savior, that narrow way. And I remember going into, I don't remember which store it was, a Walmart, something like that, and just, it was so busy seeing all these people just swarming all over the place, you know, trying to you know, live their daily lives, buy things, do things. And I just remember just standing there just for a second and just taking it all in. And it was overwhelming because I thought, my goodness, almost everybody in here is most likely going to end up in a lake of fire. And that's when it really came real to me. Amen. Amen. Well, thanks again, Pastor Strobel, for this important, important study. Uh, praise God. Amen. Parting words on the observation on the subject is for a society that by and large claims, you know, not to believe in hell and just disdains it, they sure do talk about it a lot. Amen. And they are constantly using that word. Amen. And it's it's in them. Um, boy, I tell you, man, if you just pay attention, uh, you can figure out what's going on. Amen. Amen. Said scripture, by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. Yes, exactly. You didn't believe in it? You talked about it enough, right? Said enough about it. Amen. Amen. Well, Lord willing, we will see you again soon. In the meantime, Jesus is coming soon, and uh, he's either going to see you uh, here on earth, or you're going to see him after you pass away from this planet. But so get get right. Receive Jesus Christ as your Savior and avoid hell. So again, Lord willing, we'll see you again soon. And uh, in the meantime, uh, do the right thing and and get saved. Yeah.
that shall rise, righteous be in the skies, going where, going where no one dies, heavenward bound. Jesus is coming soon, morning or night or noon, many will many meet, will meet their doom, trumpets will, trumpets sound. will surely sound, all of the dead shall rise, righteous be in the skies, Heavenward